test, 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 test. Fuck, four seconds in. I'm banging shit. What is wrong with you? Good God, a year in and you're still not a professional. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with you? I never was a professional. I never claimed. (laughs) I'm done. I'm quitting. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You are welcome. God damn it. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Clinking, I'm banging. I drank too much last night. I think I've got the DTs. (laughs) See, I actually... I woke up feeling pretty good, but when I was like trying to eat breakfast, lunch... Oh, no. I I, I get shaky in the mornings after we drink wine. Like a whole bottle. (laughs) Yeah, I think you must have drank most of it, because I actually woke up this morning feeling perfectly fine. Yeah, no. I had like a beer and I think (laughs) two glasses of wine in total. When when you you bring Merlot to the table on steak night, I I have a tendency (laughs) to go a bit overboard. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting mistakes were made. My name's Brett Bloom. Sitting across from the Bodacious. Bodacious. Bootylicious. Badass. Kristen Bloom. <laughs> Who's also effervescent? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can't take away effervescent. I gave you bootylicious. Yeah, but effervescent was better. <laughs> it sounds timeless. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the show, guys. No. <laughs> I don't have the show notes. I'm I don't know what we're talking about. Big gulp of beer and just dead air. Um... <laughs> So you did some editing today. I did. I completely changed the beginning of the film. Nice. (laughs) I think for the better, though. Um, It's still kind of the rough cut, so I'm going to have to kind of see how it Mm -hmm. all kind of plays out. But, yeah, I was feeling kind of frustrated with it again today because I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be bad. It's just not really what I thought, like, initially in my head. Well, it's it's not, not, you know, completely on the script what we've done either no it's yeah. definitely not which they never really i feel like are like mm-hmm. the dolls was probably the closest but even happy birthday wasn't quite yeah what we talked about or what was written it's um, interesting how like the final draft of a script is kind of like the director's rough draft of the script <laughs> where it's like okay we've got this well i can cut this shit out i can move this part here change this line i'd say in bigger budget projects you probably don't have that well in leeway. bigger budget projects the writing team is constantly adjusting True. the script for what needs to happen on set True. um so yeah you wind I, up with like pink pages and green pages and all of that shit <laughs> I take a little bit more liberties, though. I'm just like, I'm changing this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're a two-man production team on a $20 budget, so fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was feeling frustrated with it again today, though, because it just... Uh, and it's still the rough cut. I'm sure it'll all kind of come together in the end, but it really didn't quite turn out how I pictured it. Mm-hmm. So I like just did like a watch-through of it. I usually, whenever... I've had like a day or whatever away from it, like to rewatch it again, just to kind of reassess how I'm feeling about it first. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go back into editing editing again, because sometimes when I come back like on a fresh day and like have a fresh mindset, like I can um, look at problems I was having last time and like fix them a lot more easily. Because yeah. um, usually, you know, when you've been editing for a few hours towards the end, you're just kind of like, fuck it, I give yeah. up. Or you're trying to rush just to get it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did a just a watch through of it, and I was just like, oh, I just I'm still not. Well, we're having audio issues. Yeah, I, which is like the big key thing. Yeah, I like there's some of the like actual footage I've edited together that I don't love too that I kind of need to patch up. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's a uh, sections in the audio where we talked about that I think on our last episode where. Um, it just feels kind of inauthentic and I'm like, ah, oh, we're going to have to reshoot some yeah. of this audio cause it just does not sound sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a rough cut. There's a, there's a lot of stuff on there yeah. that I, I need to fix. Cause but... we're trying to do an interview thing. So Kristen's character's off screen for the entirety of the film. So her lines were being read directly off of the script and there are parts where you can definitely tell that it's just being read off. It, mm. it feels like a table read. Yeah, very much. So we're going to have to do an actual table read now to dub over some of the off-screen audio so that we can kind of balance out the mood. And I did, um, to kind of even out some of the sound a bit, um, I found like a very small section in Mm -hmm. like the recorded bits where you're not talking so i cut out just a teeny tiny section of the dead air that has that staticky sound in the background Mm -hmm. 
and just pieced it together in chunks under all the audio layers that didn't have that static sound, so it sounds more smooth yeah. now. Um, yeah, so I, I smoothed out some of the audio, and then I, I just I kind of watched it, and I was feeling frustrated by it, and I was like, I need to, because it was in three separate chunks whenever I first started today. I was like, I need to get this into one cohesive film, mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't really sure how. So I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can find some kind of song to lay under, like this beginning yeah. bit, because there's no talking for the whole beginning bit, and there wasn't ever going to be. Um, so I was like, I, I knew I was going to put some kind of soundtrack down, so I started digging for music today. Where do you find that? Um, Just online. in case there's anybody out there looking for stock music that you know isn't going to cost them an arm and a leg. Uh, online. Um, if you literally Google uh, royalty-free music, you can mm -hmm. find sites. You just have to make sure um, that you check and make sure what their rules are for using their music. Because a lot of royalty-free sites want to be credited. And sometimes yeah. they want to be credited in the description. Sometimes they want to be credited in the actual film. So you have to make sure you're appropriately crediting them because you can get sued yeah, you otherwise. <laughs> Especially um, if you fuck up and it, it becomes a financial success and now you're going to lose all that to your, you know, royalty-free music person. <laughs> yeah. And you can buy um, a license to use the song, too, mm -hmm. in most cases. I just, it's kind of expensive. Usually it's like, I think between like 40 to 100 bucks a pop. Yeah. Um, That's going to be the issue that I run into with the one that I'm constantly writing, the, the that's TV be, show. Probably thousands of dollars is, a pop. It, it's all music based, so it, it, it would need actual songs, two or three of them per episode for a six episode show. I think in that one in particular, though, if the um, concept is compelling to the person who owns the rights, you could probably, I mean, they'd probably want to get paid, but you could. They'd probably want a percentage, yeah, yeah if it's could. sold. You could probably get someone to agree to that because it's a very specific set of songs you're wanting. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you just have to make sure the pitch is compelling yeah. and you'll be good. And if the show works, then, you know, people might, that were not attracted to this particular, you know, set of songs mm -hmm. might go look through the uh, artists. Buy the album. And buy the albums, yeah. So... Yeah, no, that's interesting because you were having so so much frustration. You were talking to me about yesterday with the film, particularly the opening and the transition into the meat of the movie. Did you find the song, and that's what inspired you to make the changes yeah. you did to the pre-credit, or is yeah. it? It's not a. Which none of them are. Uh, it's not a happy movie, so I was specifically looking for it's songs. Nightmare Box Productions. <laughs> okay, if you're looking for illustrious dreams, they probably got their own fucking production company. Um, yeah, it's it's not a happy movie, so I was specifically looking for like kind of like sad or like creepy songs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like I found this one that's called um, Lost Frontier. I think Ooh. was the title of the song. And it just sounds very, like, soft and sad and kind of hopeless. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, well, we'll give this one a go, because you can, you can never really tell just listening to the song if it's really going to be the If it's going to work with yeah. what you're doing, yeah. So I was like, well, I'll download it, I'll give it a go. And it's from a composer that I've used before, which I'm not giving away who it is, because <laughs> I like his stuff, and I don't want you copying me. <laughs> but you did um. just give away the title, so it won't be that difficult. Uh, good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a composer whose work I really like, and um, when we have a bit more money to throw around, I probably will like actually buy the license to some of his music, because I'd like to... To own it um, so nobody else can use it for their thing? Well, no, you don't own it. It's literally you just paying for the right to basically use it, and you don't have to credit the person. And, um, well, all right, Jacks. <laughs> Somebody's losing their shit in the neighborhood. Really want right. to close the door. The breeze feels nice. Um, so it basically makes it where you don't really, because they still own the rights to it. You're just buying a license to use yeah. it. Um, and usually, if you buy the license, you don't necessarily have to credit the person. If you don't want to credit the person, the money also goes towards that person. So you're supporting the artist. Yeah. So um, just in general, on principle, when we have more money to throw around, I think it'd be nice to buy the license because you're supporting the artist. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I do really like his uh, work. <laughs> Guys, 
holy hell, there's like 15 people walking their dogs, and because of recent rules here at our apartment complex, the yeah, dogs are only allowed in a certain area, so now they're fighting each other every day. <laughs> and Jax is trying to kill them from the third floor. Jax, please come over here. All right. Uh, we, we were on a roll. Now I'm feeling <laughs> fucking anxious again. Come here. All right. Please keep talking. Please. It's all falling apart, and I'm, I can feel myself getting angry. <laughs> um... So yeah, I found a song that like as soon as I listened to it, I was like, well, it's pretty and it sounds sad and it sounds kind of hopeless, so we'll give it a go. And I layered it on um, the front part that I had edited already and like tried to piece together because there's a section where um, we've talked about that before. I was like cleaning the table and it's kind of like jump cuts of cleaning the table and kind of setting up the interview space to kind of establish like all this ash on the table and these beer bottles that have been kind of laid around to like establish this person isn't really... Like an organized, like, I don't, it's not like a pristine home we're yeah. going into. Like it's, it's obvious that the set is being made up, but that it's not an actual representation of the character. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's hilarious because it, it just entailed me not cleaning yeah. up one small <laughs> area actually, of the apartment for like actually, two days. It was actually what the end table looked like. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I pieced together my b-roll that i had already with that and then put the song under it and i was like that's not i was like that doesn't feel right and um i had a couple of random b-rolls of like the we have two dolls that we saved from the dolls that Mm -hmm. are on our uh bookshelf in the living room it's a little call back to us (laughs) so yeah i had some random b-roll of them and i didn't put it in or originally and i was like this song kind of feels like a song where you would see like these kind of Things that seem normal-ish being there, but also kind of make you feel a little uncomfortable that they're there. in the context of the film and that music, you know? Like, if that's sitting on, you know, the bay window in your grandma's house, that's adorable. Yeah. But in this context, amongst the destruction... Yeah. yeah, it feels weird that it's there. So that's, that's what I love about <laughs> antiques is that they remind you of comforting times, but because they're so creepy looking now, like <laughs> I like that juxtaposition, yeah. especially with the ceramic dolls. Yeah, so I, I layered, um, or I put a couple of shots of that in, and there was already some shots of the bookshelf, like uh, Brett's like lower level of the bookshelf is pretty much just all crime shit and then there is like a religion and, and my a, AA book yeah your AA book and stuff and I was like I feel like this is setting the mood better for what kind of person this character is supposed to be yeah in actuality it's just again <laughs> it's just Brett Bloom <laughs> it's just books on Catholicism <laughs> homicide and uh, occasionally I go to meetings to keep myself in check and I like to keep a copy of the big blue book as an out if I ever feel that I truly need it so, <laughs> Read it. It's a very good book. (laughs) So, yeah, I I was like, I feel like that's a little more insightful than just, oh, his desk is dirty and I had to clean it. Um, And thankfully, um, I took some random B-roll of the whiteboard and the stuff that was on the whiteboard before we shot this. And there were a lot of cool little lines and stuff that kind of felt similar. Like, it's like... Right before the whiteboard gets cleaned at any given point, it looks like the scrawlings of a madman has been locked in solitary confinement. That's just naturally what the whiteboard turns into. And it's all very short, choppy sentences with, like, very specific imagery. Like, one of the lines is, I awoke to a rainstorm in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's just these weirdly, like, tight specific thoughts that were running through your head and like when you see them all kind of pieced together even though they have nothing to do with each other it kind of feels like these like scrambled thoughts just being scrawled everywhere so i was like i feel like that kind of sets the mood a bit better so i use the whiteboard when i get out of the shower or if i have a thought during breakfast but mainly because i'm drinking in the apartment and i can't sit down and write anything (laughs) long form so it'll pop in my head i'll get off the couch i'll run over (laughs) to the whiteboard i'll scrawl some sentence that won't even make sense to me tomorrow morning and (laughs) run back to the couch but i've got four different color markers so it just creates this kaleidoscope of anxiety i guess (laughs) and that's kind of that's actually um exactly kind of what i was going for like the song felt like i said a little hopeless and i was Mm -hmm. like i feel like if i showed just very short clips of like all these weird broken up thoughts that don't really flow together it feels like a little frantic Mm -hmm. so um yeah but the song is very calm which is an interesting juxtaposition Mm -hmm. but it feels like, what I like about it is it's a it's a calm, slow song, but it also feels, and it's called Lost Frontier, it feels lost. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I'm, 
it's still a rough cut. I'm still working on it. Um, but yeah, I kind of like the new intro better and it makes me feel like it flows into this really uncomfortable interview much yeah. better because the interview um, is not meant to be comfortable either. And there's like sections when we were actually yeah. filming it where Brett was like legit frustrated and like sighing and just kind of overall irritated. I, I was pissed <laughs> off because I'm not an actor. I have a shit memory. And long ago, long, long time ago in my very, very, very far away past, I smoked marijuana every day. And so my brain doesn't work. <laughs> I can't remember things that are longer than 15 words. I just freak out. So I, the, the, it was two hours into the filming. I'd gone outside and smoked a cigarette and said, let's just fucking do this thing. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of little bits where like Brett was like actually organically <laughs> frustrated that kind of come across in the interview. And I'm, I'm hoping I've got to get the pacing right, but I'm hoping when it all comes together, it feels kind of like this like frantic, uncomfortable yeah. energy throughout the whole movie. And I'm hoping the beginning part kind of helps set that up. Also a bit of a callback because the whiteboard comes back at the end of the movie and I don't know why I didn't think to do that in the first place. Yeah, bookending's important. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's something that people who don't love, you know, like reading or writing or watching, you know, I don't know if they necessarily pick up on the bookend, but it's in almost everything that's successful, you know. Mm -hmm. Citizen Kane. You're fucking <laughs> is probably the easiest example. You I'm open and you close. I've never seen it. I'm not <laughs> it. I don't, it. It's a very highly praised movie, and I think for the time it was really. I was just thinking of like the best bookend. You know, the little snow globe thing. Mm -hmm. I think is the opening and closing shot, right? Uh, I don't know if you see the snow globe again at the end. I know Rosemary, like his mm -hmm. sled, Rosebud. Or yeah, Rosebud, um, his sled that mm -hmm. he was so fondly thinking of as the beginning and the end because it was the only time in his life where he was happy. But I don't know. It's it's an older movie, and I have a hard time with older movies because yeah. the pacing is so much slower. It, it feels like it you're watching it for four hours. <laughs> yeah, it, it's designed for people who were going to see stage plays because cinema wasn't you know where it is today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I. Uh, I made it halfway through a ballet once, and that—that's that. that. <laughs> I, I <actually laughs> I'm not a stage that. play person. <laughs> I actually enjoyed that. I was just starving, and you had been at work all day, so yeah. I was like, uh, "This was not the day for this." No, the only stage performance besides stand-ups that I've gone to see that I really enjoyed was Book of Mormon, and that's just because it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> I do like plays. Went over there a little buzzed with my brother and fucking saw Book of Mormon. Him and I were crying so hard we were kicking the chairs of the old lady in front of us. Cool. She hated it. I would hate you too. Well, she thought she was coming to like a religious play. Like mm. her and her husband, they were like older. You could tell they had not researched it. They just heard Book of Mormon and they're like, oh, I'm going to go learn. And then like you've got, you know, child or general butt naked, you know, like on stage fucking singing a song about AIDS and <laughs> <laughs> that is a play I'd really like to see. I haven't seen that, and I've heard it's really good. I love Book of Mormon. But, um, yeah, I guess to kind of wrap up that thought, uh, it is part of the reason, I think, stepping away from a project for even just, like, a couple of days mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time with it and coming back to it after you've had some time to kind of clear your head is helpful because I feel like... Um, like, initially, whenever I'm going to edit, I take the script very literally, like, when I'm trying to piece it together, because when you first start, you've got nothing yeah. but all these random clips you've shot. So, when I'm trying to piece it together into the timeline, I'm taking the script very literally, and, like... And the script isn't <clears throat> something that fell out of your brain, so in the beginning, you're not familiar with maybe all the different elements that went into yeah. forming it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so... Like, I just, I don't know. I, I really was not loving this movie until mm -hmm. this morning. And I'm, I'm, it still needs a lot of work. It's not a polished movie. But, like, after I kind of accepted that that was not the appropriate beginning for the movie and I needed to kind of rethink the setup for it. Yeah. And kind of got that piece together. I was like, okay, like, this makes much more sense now. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like, I don't know, it felt like, scattered like we weren't sure what we were doing when we shot it the way it was before so. i didn't i was pissed <laughs> so i i think it's gonna help the the mood flow a bit better so. yeah no and you can't beat yourself up for it you know there's been a lot of distractions and stuff like that going on while we've been trying to make this thing you know like we had a whole plan when we came up here it's like what my dad used to say your plan's gonna fall to shit in about 15 minutes 
<laughs> the second you think you've got it figured out, Mother Nature's going to kick you in the nuts. <laughs> this is frustrating. Cause like- we got up here because I wanted to start writing groups all around the city so that I could, you know, try to create a community and build the nightmare box and have guests on talking about creative things and COVID hits and shuts all that down. Things happened with us and our employment statuses throughout all of trying to make this film because of the COVID situation. Got we got married. You know, like it's been a chaotic time yeah. and you're still working on the film. So I wouldn't beat yourself up too much for not focusing on it, yeah. you know, maybe as much as you should have at the beginning because you, you couldn't. <laughs> I'm trying to keep that in mind. I think at this point it's starting to get, like, I feel better today because yeah. I feel like reworking that beginning helped a lot with like how I feel about it. Like, I feel like it's going to be much more cohesive now and... Well, I think it gives you a calmer open, so you can rewatch that. I mean, that was used the same word twice, but you rewatch that opening, and now you've got a feel for how you want the rest of it to play mm-hmm. out. Whereas you didn't have that opening before that has this calm musical sense to it, so you didn't have like the first crashing chord. You know? Yeah, yeah, and so I, I do feel. I'm not being a negative Nancy. I do feel much better about the movie after today because I, I feel like that was kind of a big breakthrough, like getting that opening sequence finally pieced together. Yeah. And now it's like a like cohesive movie instead of a bunch of broken up chunks. But I do, like I'm trying to keep the whole this has been a chaotic time thing in mind because I do feel kind of like, ugh, like we did the December movie that died a death and never got released because we tried to... Yeah while working full-time jobs and trying to recover from moving across the country, tried to cram a movie into a one-month period, also around the holidays, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and decided we were going to scale back to doing bi-monthly challenges, and Happy Birthday went, for the most part, pretty smoothly. Yeah. Like, there were some definitely, like, frustrating moments, especially when I was trying to edit the baby doll's face and then just <laughs> gave up on that. Um, but we got it done. Yeah. Pretty much in the two-month deadline, and this one's like two months overdue. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, God, like how did we yeah. get so far off course? Well, happy birthday we did in a Montana winter, you know? <laughs> there wasn't fuck all going on. Nobody was... It was auto, automatically social distancing. When it's cold in Montana, you don't go outside unless you fucking have to. <laughs> yeah, there was still somehow traffic on the road we needed to be yeah. on. And we were just standing out there in the snow being all cold. And conspicuous. In a Jeep. <laughs> Holding a bundle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I feel better about it today. I just would like to get it done and get it published because we are behind schedule. Yeah, and, and I'm having is... trouble writing the next one, you know, so don't beat yourself up. I'm also two months removed. I'm supposed to have the big script that we want to try to send off to a festival done by now and that's second in line. So I can't <laughs> even start writing the festival one because I've still got to write the next one that we're wanting to do, which I think is going to be the best of the movies that we've done together. Yeah. If we can figure out how to do it. But it's largely improvisational, and I don't know how the improv's going to go, so I don't know how to write the actions in between the improv, Mm -hmm. you know? I've never written anything like that. But they're challenges. They're not It'll be interesting. Mm -hmm. I think the plus side, too, to the festival one is there is a story that's a baseline. Like, there is an existing written short story yeah. so at least with that one it's not going to be as hard to come up with like the concept because it already <laughs> exists we just gotta it's one of mine one <laughs> of my short stories but you can go read at the nightmarebox.blog no you took it down it's not on there anymore well not that story but you can go read mm. stories that i've written over there you can buy the madman diaries at amazon.com or you can send me an email at nightmareboxproductions at and i'll send one to you for ten dollars <laughs> so um yeah. Do you have anything else on that? Did you have anything else on that vein? No, that's still kind of my like I, I we. I don't want to give too much of the film away, so I don't know how much we should. Yeah, I don't really want to give too much away either because it's getting closer to Especially being done. The festival film, so it's like, okay. yep, there's a festival film, <laughs> and that's all you guys get to know. <laughs> no, so I, I think mean... it's. Fucking brilliant, and you're not stealing my concept. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of reiterating what we talked about last time. Last time I said I was feeling frustrated, so I took some time to color correct it, and when I came back to it today to 
kind of just rewatch it. Like that was kind of refreshing. It all looked like it belonged together. Yeah. Um, I, and I probably need to fine tune the color correction a bit, but like it, it, it at least looked like a movie instead of a bunch of random shots. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, today when I was feeling frustrated, I was like, I'll just I'll find a song. I know I'm going to put a song on here. So I, th- I think sometimes when you take a few days away or if you're frustrated with the literal editing or the pacing or whatever, if you work on a smaller side task, sometimes it kind of mm-hmm. recenters it for you. It's like that Anne Lamott quote about like looking through the small viewfinder. Like, you don't need to write the room right now if you can't write the room right now. So, like, get a little one inch by one inch viewfinder. You can cut it out of a piece of paper and then hold it up to your eye and then write what you can see through that one inch viewfinder. If you can only write the shoe right now, write the shit out of that shoe. (laughs) If you got like one bird on one branch, write the shit out of one bird and one branch. But I swear to Christ, if I see you write like I read on the writing pages that I follow (laughs) this morning, I will backhand the shit out of you if you call them bony fingers caressing the sky. It's not an original thought, you fuck. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) They try try to write like Shakespeare. I hate Shakespeare. I hate Shakespeare derivatives even more than I hate Shakespeare. So buy you a bunch of Shakespeare for Christmas. I own a bunch of Shakespeare (laughs) because I had to take a whole year of Shakespeare in college. I'm gonna get you I've a, read all the Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm going to get you a giant Shakespeare poster to hang next to your Polonic one. No. <laughs> Unless it's Shakespeare taking a dick in literally every orifice of his body and his eyeballs. I That's don't care. That's a bit extreme. No, I want Edgar Allan Poe, I fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> if you can paint that, I'll give you $150. So gory. Like our uh, film we tried to like, watch the other day. See, over here, trying to pretend like I didn't know what I was doing with that segue. Now it's ruined. Now it's ruined. <laughs> she ruined the perfect segue of Edgar Allan Poe, I fucking Shakespeare, which was going to lead me into one of my favorite topics of all fucking time, the splatter film. I feel like I AKA the gore porn. A.K.A. the torture porn. <laughs> A.K.A. the gorn. It's got so many names. It's my favorite fucking thing because it's over the top. It's exploitive. It's fucking batshit and it's daring. For the record, I feel like my segue was smooth and you ruined it. If you hadn't (laughs) ruined it, mine would have felt like a fucking wrestling intro. (laughs) So you you are sadly mistaken. Um, uh, We're sorry off the bat for missing the two star for uh, what we were going to do earlier in the week. I'm not, though. You're not? I'm not sorry that we didn't do it. (laughs) Well, I'm about to give you the same deep dive, but we don't have to talk about that particular movie. Um, This week we watched The Green Inferno, which is on Netflix. It's an Eli Roth film about um, a cannibal tribe, basically, uh, and a Greenpeace organization that goes in to save them, and then they get eaten by the people they went in to save. It's very Eli Roth. Um, You're not going to watch it and fall in love with Eli Roth. Start with Hostel. If you can't handle Hostel, you've not meant for Eli Roth. <laughs> I feel like this one, honestly, if you're not familiar with like gore porn movies, is probably a softer intro than Hostel. Hostel was actually difficult for me to watch. This one was just dumb. Yeah. No, this one was ridiculous. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about this one in particular because that's not necessary. But I wanted to talk about... My least films. favorite genre of them all. Yeah. Well, I've got some some cool facts here, and I think one of them you're going to be really excited about. Mm. So this is my brief history of the genre of the splatter film that okay. I learned off Wikipedia in about an hour and a half. So take so it with a grain. So you're an expert. I am. I, I always <laughs> tell people I'm a professional. Um, I should have spent all week reading articles uh, about it so that I could give an entire hour and a half fucking diatribe about splatter film. I'm glad you didn't, because again, it's my least favorite genre. (laughs) (laughs) So hit me with what you learned in the past hour. (laughs) So splatter films. um, First appearance on cinema. That's not what I meant to say. That was. (laughs) (sighs) Get it together. Bring myself at peace. Who say? Um, so we watched the green inferno, which is filled with violence and gore. Do you have a particularly favorite death in green inferno? I don't, I don't remember them. Uh, the, <laughs> the only 
one that actually bothered me a little bit because I have a problem with eyes and fingernails in particular. Like, yeah. Gorporns always want to go for the violent, cringy. Yeah, I don't know if you can um, get gore without extreme levels of violence. Well, it's it's not just like, oh, I chopped off her head. You know, it's always like very specific yeah. violence that's meant to kind of like make you go, ugh, you know? Yeah. Like um, Hostel 2, where she hangs the lady upside down over the bathtub, slits her throat, and then it's just a naked woman rubbing her tits yeah. with blood. Um, so <laughs> Eli the, Roth does not fuck around. <laughs> the only one that actually bothered me in this one, because the rest of them are kind of um, tame kills in comparison, is the first kid that they kill at the beginning. They pull his eyes out, cut his tongue, yeah. chop his arms and legs off, and like the arms and leg part looked absolutely absurd and ridiculous, <laughs> and you could tell it was a prop. Um, the eyes they didn't show very clearly so on the first one i was like i don't what did she just was that yeah. his eye oh that was his eyes so like the first one i didn't really know what was going on but um yeah just eyes in general bug me so that yeah. one i wasn't a fan no, the chick was, splitting her own throat caught me off guard just because i didn't see it coming so like when that, that one happened i was like Ooh. yeah um <laughs> Kudos to her for being brave enough to do it, but yeah. I, at the same time, I didn't see it coming. So I was like, whoa, okay. No, the, what I like about splatter film is like it really, like, truly came into the torture porn level in, like, I don't know, like 2000 to 2010, like, somewhere in there, this shit, like, really popped off. And I was a child. So, like, when you listen to horror masters and they're like, yeah, I grew up on you know, Dracula, you know, and that was the creature features and mm. shit. I grew up with splatter film, torture porn. My mom used to take me to Blockbuster or to the movie theater, depending on which one of the eight you want to start talking about, uh, for Saw. We, the, me and my mother bonded over Saw. See, so. I don't mind... <laughs> Saw, because I feel like, I mean, as Saw they, went pretty crazy uh, no, after, they, like, the fourth film. <laughs> as they progressed, it got kind of ridiculous. But Saw, I am more forgiving of, because I feel like the concept of Saw was not what gore porn typically is. Like, the concept of Saw was finding your own redemption yeah, for your Yeah, the first own, three films, yeah, for sure. for your own transgressions. And, like, sometimes those transgressions did not deserve yeah. that level By the of... end, it was like, you drunk drove and didn't kill anybody, yeah. so now we got to kill the dude from Lincoln Park by super-gluing his back to his car seat and so, yeah. driving him through a wall. But even with that, like, I mean, I haven't seen probably past, like, three or four, to be yeah. honest, because, yeah, they are a bit much for me. Um, but even with that, I feel like Saw or the ones I saw anyway, at least, were um, a bit more of a level playing field. And my problem with gore porn is I feel like a lot of the time it's very specifically sexual violence towards women. Okay. And like, can, can you hold the thought yeah. so I can do my brief history? Because yeah. I, I want to go over the history okay. of it, and then we can talk about that. Because the, the original Splatter films were much the opposite. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do have the the exploitation of women, but you mm -hmm. also have the rape-revenge gore porn, where it's like she gets raped and then she fucks everybody up. Like or Last the... House on the Left, you know, the daughter gets killed, the parents fucking slaughter the entire gang on of serial killers. On the remake, she just gets raped and the murdered parents, yeah oh no in the remake she lives oh that's and right parents... and the parents put that dude's head in a microwave yeah <laughs> <laughs> but here's my brief history of the splatter film okay. so the first appearance of gore in cinema trivia number one not the one that i thought you'd love but interesting nonetheless is intolerance from 1916 it was directed by d.w griffith do you know who d.w griffith is I know the name. You know a film that he made. You watched it in college. I've often said it's Kristen's favorite film, even though oh. Kristen hates when I say that. Oh. D.W. Griffith made Intolerance because of criticism for his first film, Birth of a Nation. Yeah, not my favorite movie. Critics, I was like, I know I know the name. <laughs> critics were pissed off that he was behind the Ku Klux Klan, that he, you know, was railing against the black community. And so he made Intolerance, where for the first time, it's a silent film, 
Um, but for the first time in film, you see actual gore. There's a supposedly a close-up shot where like a four-foot spear is slowly pushed through somebody's abdomen. Hmm. It's his rage film against his critics. Oh. Set in like four parts and like six acts or some shit. So that's the Wikipedia summary. <laughs> you have not seen it. It's a silent film. It's in the public domain. It's literally on the Wikipedia page. It's two hours a, long, but it's silent. I didn't have that kind of time. That dude's a racist creep, so I'm probably not watching it. Even in his yeah. old age, he was not apologetic about how racist he Did was. Did not give a shit. He's like, yes, I made Birth of a Nation. Fuck that dude. But he also made Intolerance, <laughs> which one would say Birth of a Nation was intolerant of the black community. But, uh, not getting into that in the middle of our current, you know, socioeconomic riot status. Um, but it didn't really come into its own. So the first one, 1916, came into its own in 1963. So we're sitting on almost 50 years of no real gore. Still. Earlier than I would have expected, though. Well, 63 makes sense if you think about it, because we're gearing up or we might have just entered the Vietnam War, which is where I always say that's when horror makes sense in America. Yeah. Because you get the slasher films, you get all the veterans coming back who've seen these horrific things that are pouring that fear into the genre. And that's where you get the splatter film. I'm just surprised it came that soon, though, because, like, even um, indicating that someone had used the bathroom was considered pornographic mm-hmm. until much later in cinema. Yeah, because Psycho was not even going to guess. <laughs> I know it was around this time frame, but I, I don't have the year, and I've written a very long paper about it that I still need to publish. So, But anyway... Um, it came into its own in 1963 with a guy named Herschel Gordon Lewis, and I need to go watch everything this man ever did because apparently he's considered like the god of the splatter film. He introduced the idea of the slasher, the exploitation. He started out making films at nudist colonies. So he would he would do what's called the nudie cutie film, what? where he would have these beautiful naked women on random adventures. That was it was a That's sec- bizarre. He, he made sexploitation films until the nudist colonies started to go away. You know, at the end of the sixties. The nudie cutie. The nudie cutie films. <laughs> I've never seen one, but now I want to own a collection of his entire thing so I can see his progression as like I'm sick of the fifties. Fuck that. I'm making tits jiggle on TV, and I'm pulling out entrails. Again, exploiting women in particular. Because in 1963, he came out with Blood Feast, which he made for a budget of about $24,000. Over the course of the next 15 years, he made $7 million with it. But he also made another little film in a trilogy pack here, so he's made two others in successive years. So 63, we get Blood Feast. 64, we get one of my personal favorites in the old exploitation categories, 2000 Maniacs with an exclamation point, uh, which is also poignant. It bounces kind of off of the first piece of trivia. 2000 Maniacs is like, I think it's a group of tourists. It might be a family. I can't remember who the victim group is. They wind up in this town that holds an annual sacrifice for the Confederacy. So it's a yeah, it, but the entire town is just. I, I think the taglines like the town pulsates with blood. You know, like once a year, this rural Confederacy town sacrifices people so that the South will rise again. It, it's a really cool movie. Go watch it. So he made Two Thousand Maniacs, and then he made one called Color Me Blood Red, which is basically about an artist who paints with blood, and then they find out that he's murdering people in psychopathic ways, and then using their blood to create this beautiful red in his paintings, uh, which he did in '65. So three years back to back, he creates the canonical trilogy of the splatter film. Moving forward. Little fact. Who, who, God damn it, Peter Jackson? What did he do? Uh, Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings trilogy. 
Yes. Peter Jackson did the. Yes. I know he did. He did B did horror the films. Did Lord of the Rings. I know he did B horror. He films. started with splatter films in New Zealand, which is how he gained enough capital to continue his career to create eventually the Lord of the Rings. That was bad taste in 1987, which is about aliens that like came down and ate people. Um, and then you've got. A big jump in time, because it's a brief history, it's not a detailed history, <laughs> to um, Eli Roth, again, Hostel in 2005, is the first film to be called a torture porn, for obvious reasons. Hostel is tourists go to a hostel, rich people pay to kill these tourists. That's the entire plot, there's nothing deeper than that, it's just how can these rich people kill these people in the most fucked up ways imaginable, and it's fucked up. Don't watch Green Inferno, go watch Hostel. Hostel's a rough watch. If you puke in the first ten minutes of Hostel, don't watch anything Eli Roth ever did, turn off this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Eli Roth's Hostel is quickly followed up with a wave of torture porn movies. So you get the Saw franchise, you get the Devil's Rejects, you get the Wolf Creek, which was like, I think, an Australian horror film. Then you get Ichi the Killer, which is a Japanese horror film that's fucking nuts. It's about this dude who, like, manipulates this other guy, like, implants memories and turns this really cool dude into, like, a rapist and a fucking sociopathic serial killer. It's crazy. Is Human Centipede not on this list? Human Centipede's not on this (laughs) list, but neither is the Serbian film because I I don't want to dive into Human Centipede. But basically, it builds, builds, builds. You get Human Centipede and a Serbian film, I believe, in the same year. They get less financial success because they went too far. (laughs) Human Centipede's... Human Centipede number two, I I think I literally got up at one point and threw up in the bathroom. It, it, I, I can sit through the trilogy, but it's just, it, it, it's the scatological aspect more than the concept. When they're showing, like, the shit coming out of the seams, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I pull their organs out of their body. I don't want to think about tasting ass and shit, <laughs> you know? Like, the first dude's the luckiest dude, because he's basically just getting his asshole licked and getting fed bananas, but... People, the last one, they always die. Centipede never works. Yeah, but if you're all attached to each other, if uh, the end of your body becomes septic, your whole body becomes septic. Yep. So. And it dies. Um, and then the Serbian film, of course, which, spoiler alert, I'm going to give you three seconds. One, two, three. The guy rapes his dead wife and infant son at the end of the movie. Um, one, two, Three, you, you you don't need that in your head. It's just, it's too fucking far. I, I've seen them once. I don't need to ever see them again. I understand. I'll never forget them. They're burned into my brain. So, <laughs> so yes, you wind up with them. But they had an effect on horror forever. There's no getting rid of it. It's not really a thing anymore. Torture porn isn't like the hit wave probably because of, you know, the Me Too movement and all this other yeah. as we've grown it's a as a society. Problematic. It's very <laughs> problematic. But it's affected horror forever and you can see it for the most part in the wave of remakes that began with Dawn of the Dead in two thousand and four, Halloween in two thousand and seven, Halloween two, which I think was two thousand and nine, which features Michael Myers stomping on a stripper's head for fucking two minutes. Friday the thirteenth in two thousand and nine, which involves Jason just grabbing a lady in a backpack and just beating her fucking ass against a tree. The splatter genre has splattered all over horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that one, too. That was Halloween, right? Or was it part of the Jason series where he cooks the girl that's in the sleeping bag hanging over the campfire? Yep. Was that Jason? Or yep, that... that was right after he beats her unconscious against the tree. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yep, he puts her up there like popcorn and just fucking, yeah. that's, that's your intro. That's, that's my problem. Is it truly just a feminist angle that you... Well, I don't I Grab like... another beer. I got very excited. No, you're good. Um, I don't like aggressive violence in general, so it also bothers me when you have, um, like I said, in the Green Inferno we just watched, it's specifically violence against this fuller-figured male character. Um, So it still 
bothers me even when it's violence against men. I don't like excessive gratuitous violence in general. Um, no, I yeah, I think my biggest problem with gore porns are specifically though that it tends to be sexual violence in its nature towards women. Like even mm-hmm. when, because all of those movies have male characters as well that are also tortured and killed as well. But very um, rarely do they walk around with their dicks out. In almost all of them, you're seeing titty. Yeah, so you're and connecting sex and like violence. like yeah. the the men are killed in aggressive ways that you know obviously nobody wants to experience, but the women are killed in like very demeaning, sexual, violent, perverted ways that mm-hmm. really bother me. Um, yeah, I feel like the genre as a whole like is kind of demeaning to females. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I, I understand what you're saying. Like I, 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 that's why I wanted to talk about it because I don't really know where I sit with it. Um, but in real life, violence against women is more sexual in nature. Usually, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is true. Like, that level of violence. Yeah. You know, Ted Bundy wasn't fucking around. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, that is true, but I guess I just... The splatter film sees the knife as a penis, almost, you know? Like, the, it... the splatter film is almost trying to profit off of women's suffering, I feel like. Um, I guess is my perspective of it. Like, they're selling tickets to movies where we're going with the expectation to see boobs and butt and violent yeah. death of all the characters in general but most specifically the female characters so it's almost like trying to i guess from my perspective profit off of this like really basic carnal human nature mm-hmm. in the worst of us so yeah it's an exploitive genre of horror there's mm-hmm. my issue with it isn't so much that because there are a lot of splatter films where the point is almost to drive your lead female hero into becoming the hero through like the darkest of darks so you fuck up so many people and hopefully at the end you've got a strong female who can stand up and you know beat people down but you'd lose so many levels of the metaphor that is the horror genre when you're content with it, it's like the jump scare mm-hmm. you know like i get it okay you you know that's gonna scare me if you do a loud noise and jump or if you uncomfortable yeah or mm-hmm. if you pluck a kid's eyeball out of his head you know it's gonna make me squirm and it feels like a cheap trick yeah but like horror is supposed to make you squirm it's supposed to make you uncomfortable well, i feel like gore porns typically aren't um well written well it's not even that it's like there's no basis for anything behind them it's literally just a movie about violence and how uncomfortable can you make someone feel because of how aggressive the violence is and like um like even saw like i said you know I'll, i'll forgive saw to some extent especially the early versions because it is a movie where there is a compelling central yeah. bad guy who is dying and is mad that he's going to die and wants other people to appreciate the lives that they're given. So he's mad at people that are squandering their lives. So the it's torture... like a borderline like Joker. If Joker was an anti-hero, but Joker was crazier than Joker. Yeah, <laughs> like the 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 torture and the violence is still super over top over the top. But at least the concept is a little bit more clever. Mm. And like most gore porns aren't intellectual movies on any level. Like I. I I don't, I guess, really see the value in a movie that's literally just about pain and violence. And yeah, Yeah. and like, especially as a woman, whenever it's a movie that's heavily about sexual violence towards women. So it's not marketed towards me at all, you know? No, it's marketed towards teenage boys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a genre that I honestly just don't really see a lot of value in. Like, I, I feel like it... It is literally an exploitive genre that's just trying to make money off of really basis, mm-hmm. like, carnal feelings. That being said, do you think that there's value in the impact that the splatter film has had on horror? Or do you think it's all bad? Because I would argue that without the splatter film, early in, we don't get Psycho, which was 1967. It just hit me in the brain. Um <laughs> 
I hope that's right, or I'm going to sound really dumb on this recording. <laughs> Uh, but you don't wind up with The Devil's Rejects, which I would argue is easily in my top ten, if not in my top five. You don't wind up with the remake of Halloween by Rob Zombie, which I think is a beautiful dive into the mind of Michael Myers. Um, because it's mostly him as a child losing his mind in the system before it builds to the level of violence that it becomes. Um I'm looking over the films that I've already named here. Like I, 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 I understand the anger at hostile or at maniac or pervert. You know, I, 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 I get how that's exploitive, but if can you use that level of violence in smaller doses to tell the story, but without those films, much in the way that like I'm reading the Lenny Bruce book. And I've recently listened to a Lenny Bruce special, and I don't understand the references, but I can understand how he couldn't say fuck on stage. And so he found his way around it. And these guys are like, I, I, I stop me from using this piece of rubber and this other piece of rubber to make it look like Cannibal Holocaust. Mm. You know? <laughs> I would honestly argue no, that I don't think the genre as a whole is... Um really valuable to the future of like cinema or to the past of cinema or anything like that. The genre as a whole, you're like, we could just get rid well, of scaring no, people. No, I'm not, no, gore porn. Not, it's like we, we own a, the Nightmare Box production. Not like, horror, gore porn. We don't make gore porn movies. Um, I would argue specifically <clears throat> no. Um, gore porn movies haven't been all that valuable because, okay, yeah, you may have watched Saw as a kid and thought Saw was influential, yeah. but when you're remembering monumental moments in your life that were more influential to you, would 9-11 not have been more significant to you? Like Wes Craven made these movies that were kind of his take on like the feeling of society after the war and stuff like that. So he was making movies based off his actual real life experiences. His anger. Yeah. Yeah. And like last house is a little bit more, Gratuitous, to be fair, and there are movies in the horror genre that kind of push that violence to. A I would bit. say Wes Craven. You know, I, I don't want to argue. I'm just having a conversation here, so don't yell at me. <laughs> I, I I think Wes Craven, for all of his movies, literally every hero was a woman. Like I think he had a hardcore respect yeah. for strong yeah, for women. Sure. <laughs> yeah, most of his characters. Even in Last House on the Left, he's got the mother who's forced into fellatiating the bad guy. She bites his dick off and kills his ass. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying Wes Craven was guilty of that. I'm just saying the level yeah. of violence in Last House, for instance, is a bit gratuitous. Like, there are... But it's real. Yeah, but there, there are horror movies that kind of push that violence a bit more aggressively and do it in a way that still makes you feel something. Like, even with Saw, like I said, the early ones, like, the violence is gratuitous, but you still feel... When Amanda takes the mask off or the bear trap, you know, you get that sense of relief because she rips it off, throws it on the floor, immediately it flips open and you're like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. And, like, there's movies like that and, like, Wes Craven's movies, I feel like there's some kind of inner message that's kind of pulling you one way or the other so like you can to some extent like appreciate the violence as this journey that you're going through and then there are movies like Eli Roth's movies where I feel like they're just straight up gratuitous so like to me I wouldn't chuck Craven's movies in with gore porn yeah um and like I I probably use the term a bit more loosely the movies are actually classified like I don't know that I would even call the early Saw movies gore porn like maybe the later ones but there are a lot of movies that are... The first one that I, I struggle with, because mm-hmm. like, that's art. Yeah. You know, once the budget came in and they were really making, you know... Like, we looked at the numbers today. The first one was made for 1.2, made over 100, you know. The second one made on 10, and almost all the sequels made yeah. on 10. The lower budget feel made James Wong, like have to write the fuck out of Jigsaw. Yeah, <laughs> and like, even, like, the... Early Saw movies and early Hallow or not Saw, sorry, early Jason movies and early Halloween movies and stuff like that. I wouldn't necessarily chuck those in 
to movies that are so violent that I would call them gore porn. But back then they were. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like modern day, but like maybe the sequels where it literally got to just being like yeah. Jason, Jason and, in yeah. space. Yeah. Like whenever it got to be that ridiculous at that point, we've lost the meaning of the movie. So like, I guess for me, the term is a little bit more loose than probably movies are necessarily classified in that genre. But the movies that are true gore porn movies to me aren't valuable because I feel like the people that are writing these successful, impactful horror movies are doing it based off of their life experiences, not a movie they watch. And the, the violence is a, a rage reaction to the metaphor. Yeah. But when you wind up with a movie that lacks a metaphor, then it's just rage. Yeah. And mm. that could have an effect. Like, I, I hate to say that, you know, artists are to blame for any violence. I don't think that's true at any level. Uh, at the same time, uh, Ted Bundy blamed in his death row interview, believe it or don't believe it. He was a known sociopath and serial murderer. So if you want to take his word for it, um, he believed that he, his finding of bondage porn when he was like eight years old is what led to him no. raping and murdering women. No. Because mean, it advanced his sex drive at such a young age that much like, you know, your average male um, finds a magazine, like a Victoria's Secret magazine, mm-hmm. and like stuffs it under. It's like, oh, women in underwear. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're beating your dick with a hammer to granny porn. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily buy into that. I think people that are disturbed at that level are already disturbed mm-hmm. at that level. Like, I've played violent video games. I've watched violent movies. I've Grew watched... up on Grand Theft Auto horror films yeah. and Charles Manson. Yeah, I've... I've not murdered anybody. I've not watched violent porn, but I've watched yeah. porn. Like, there are... It's a psychological problem. Yeah, I think any normal functioning adult that doesn't already have these baseline problems isn't reacting that way to that. So I don't think gore porn is even encouraging violence Mm -hmm. in other people. For me, it's just exploiting um, traumatic things for the sake of exploiting them. And specifically, like I said, my problem with it is that I... So you feel it's tone deaf? Yeah. Almost in a way. Yeah, Yeah. it exploits um, issues women face in real life society. Like I, I am afraid to go out to certain places at night by myself. You know, that's why I spit on your grave. It flies right in the face of your conversation. We need, we need to watch the original and the remake of I spit on your grave. Cause I think you'd love it. It's a splatter film where the woman, it's the rape revenge thing, you know? So she gets like gang raped in an alleyway and it's just like, Fuck this <laughs> goes off. <laughs> but, then, but then it'd be hypocritical of me to say if you flip the violence the other way and then it's now sexualized violence against men, it's any better. Like it's not often sexualized violence against men. No, but it, men get killed uh, versus women, a ratio of like a hundred to one. Like <laughs> men die in every movie you've ever seen. Even like, your romantic comedies, the grandpa's got to have a heart attack at the Thanksgiving table. But like gratuitous, over the top violence, even towards men. I'm like, <coughs> I, if there's no point to it, there's no point to yeah. it. So I guess that's my problem with it. It, it feels exploitive for the nature of exploiting it. Yeah, like the, the Saul film with the one where the guy's kid gets killed and then he goes and he sees the crucifix we've talked about it on here before that is gratuitous as fuck it's violent as shit but the metaphor is underneath it he can stop that guy from having his head twisted around or his legs twisted around he eventually tries but as the bones start breaking he's like fuck you you know and he's waltzing back and forth going just die already what the fuck are you screaming for he's laughing in his face you see this whole emotional development of him having to forgive this guy while you're also watching the shin bone pop out of the skin <laughs> like the elbow completely go out of place yeah the head spinning around and just hearing that crack and it keeps spinning until it separates from his body. Like, you can use extreme, fucked up, comical levels of violence and still have a message. And maybe that's where the splatter film fucked up, but that's what we should thank the splatter film for. Without them, like, we wouldn't be able to do that 
on a camera, and I don't want to do that on a camera. Say, unless I'm I... not shooting that movie on a camera, no, so no, you no, have fun. No, no, no. Like, I don't want to do that on a camera unless it's absolutely necessary, but I know that if it's absolutely necessary, I can, because we've been doing it since the 60s. Yeah, I don't I just, I, it's it's not my favorite genre. No. <laughs> it's, it's not a genre I have really any appreciation <laughs> for, if I'm being honest. What are we eating tonight there, Kristen Pennington? Wings and rings. And what are we watching tonight, Kristen Pennington? Halloween. But to be fair, <laughs> like I said. It's, it, uh, in all honesty, it's the original director is in on this shit. It's Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis, Curtis coming back. I've It's the 2019 film. I know I should have seen it. It's my favorite horror film of all time. It's the original Halloween and the original Last House on the Left. They vie for position. I'm so excited for this fucking movie. But, badass female character. So, <laughs> it, it might be a splatter film, but... And it doesn't necessarily have to be a badass female character. It could be a badass dude character. I just want a movie that has like an actual story where there's an arc and I'm feeling shit as I'm watching it instead of just, oh God, that's cringy. You know, yeah. like I want a movie that makes me want to either root for the good guy or root for the bad guy or feel something of some kind besides everybody's dying. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I hate the mindless violence. Um, I, I don't want to protect that part of the splatter film. I want to protect the, they did it. So now it can be done. You know, they fought the video nasty. You know, like I learned today that Texas Chainsaw Massacre from the 70s was like not available in the UK until like the early 2000s. I don't know how that happened for you guys. And I'm very sorry. <laughs> but I was born at a time where you couldn't watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And so, like, I really look up to the people who push the limits at all levels. Like, reading the Lenny Bruce book, you know, on the comedy level. Mm -hmm. um, Wes Craven, as we were talking about earlier, was like, fuck you, fuck your censors, I think I can do this. Yeah. She'll bite his dick off. Stop I, me. I do, like, <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate the horror genre. I'm not dogging on the horror genre. I just genre. think it's the only genre that's like, there's the line, what if I did that? Is that still in the line from Hitchcock flushing a toilet? <laughs> but like I said, I'm not dogging on the genre, genre. horror genre. It's specifically gore porn. It's like I have watched tons of horror movies where I was like, oh god, you know, yeah. and like walked away feeling like scared or whatever. But like a lot of those masters of that genre had greater messages, and like I, I don't want to be. Like, we do kind of uncomfortable movies. I don't want to ever be guilty of making a movie on purpose just to make someone uncomfortable, and there's no purpose to the movie. I want to add an element to a film that hasn't been tried before that makes people question if that's okay, but have the story so compelling that you really mm. have to accept it. Like Hitchcock with the shower mm. scene. Is she naked? Is she not naked? Did you see nipple? Did you see entry of the knife? Who knows? You want to debate that or do you want to talk about the movie? You know? <laughs> Wes Craven, Last House on the Left. Do you want to defend the um, violence of the criminals or do you want to condemn the violence of the revenge from the parents? You know? <laughs> They're both equally as violent, and I think to an extent that might be his point. Well, I think for me, Last House is... Um, the original. The remake can eat a thousand days. Well, I saw the remake <laughs> first. No, we, I've never watched the original. That's right. You and I haven't got around to that yet. I've, I've only seen the remake, and for me, um, the concept to that movie isn't about the violence. The concept about that movie is how far would you go? It's about taking normal people and creating crazies out of the normal yeah. people and like due how, to trauma. Yeah, yeah, like how far would you go in that situation to, you know, one, avenge someone you loved and two, keep the rest of your family safe because those people show up at their house. Yeah. In the movie, it's not like they went and sought them the out. The serial killers show up yeah. to the innocents, and the innocents, in a way, become serial yeah. killers. Yeah, so like that, that's a movie about pushing humans' emotional limit versus, oh, we're just hacking at each other, you know? To me, that's a movie that is like an insightful movie about 
what would you do in this situation and how far would we go as people who wouldn't expect ourselves to ever go that far? Yeah. I fucking so, like, love it. There are if violent horror yeah. movies that do it in a way that if like, you've makes not you seen it, we have to watch it. Like we have to do a whole review. Cause I don't know if you'd like the, I think, you showed me the, the end scene. So I've seen the end scene, but I've never yeah, seen the movie. The chainsaw, which is just that loud seventies. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't balance at all, and <laughs> but it's fun. Um, but we've we've done our hour, and I'm Woo. ready to get the wings started so we can watch Halloween. Because I'm already filling these beers. I'm on a different wavelength. All right, um, that was fun, sweetheart. Thank you very much. Like I was worried I was gonna get mad at you. I was worried you were gonna get mad at me. <laughs> I, just I was don't like, like I, I, I want to defend the genre. <laughs> I just don't like. I it. don't agree with it. Like they, like at a long. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. I love splatter film, that had the message in the early two thousands. I love a bunch of the early horror films from like the sixties to the eighties, the nineties. Don't give a shit about anything other than seven. <laughs> if it's any consolation, I am not so angry at the genre that I don't think they should be allowed to make them or that I think it's like death metal you know like yeah. some people get yeah. it and I don't, I don't like death metal either it's a perfect example yeah no, I'm some not. people get a casea strain and some people are like you know I think I'm just gonna listen to fucking BB yeah. King you know? that is a perfect metaphor because that is me um, no I'm not so mad at the genre that I'm like oh stop making those movies and I'm not so mad at the genre that I'm like you can't watch those movies I'm just like ah not gonna watch those movies yeah, no, i look at it like i like grand theft auto but i really don't feel like going and beating up hookers <laughs> with a crowbar you know like, <laughs> but um if you guys would like you can go support us you can go over to youtube.com slash kristen pennington where you can see everything kristen did pre um us being married and then you can go to youtube.com slash nightmare box productions where you can see the dolls you can see happy birthday eventually Kristen will finish this fucking film yeah well <laughs> it's getting there and we still haven't come up with a title for it so we we'll have, have to do all of tentative that. title we have we have an idea um or you can go on over to twitter at uh at nightmare box pro or you can go on over there to instagram at at Nightmare Box Productions. And please do. Please do go over to the iTunes section right now. Leave us a rating and a review and let us know what you think. If you guys have any criticisms or anything you'd like us to do or a particular film you'd like us to watch or if you're Tommy Wiseau and you want to be on the podcast, I want Tommy Wiseau. I want to interview Tommy Wiseau. Uh, or you can send us an email at at Nightmare Box Productions. And if you do that, I'll send you a book for $10. We'll figure out payment. PayPal still hates me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> uh, did we hit everything? The Nightmarebox.blog. The Nightmarebox.blog, where you can see our behind-the-scenes pictures. You can read a couple of my stories. You can buy... We used to be able to buy the book. You can watch the dolls. It's up in the top right-hand corner of the website. And... This, that, and the other. I literally just thought of what we're naming this movie. So we'll talk Good. about that once the mic's off. All right. You ready, love? <laughs> you ready. <laughs> you ready for rings? Are you ready for wings? I am. Are you ready for Halloweens? <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, bitch. Jamie <laughs> Lee Curtis, bitch. Jamie Lee can't feel her head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs>